0: Or yeah. they, uh, they're they panicked because they're out and they're like, I'm outside the
1: house! Ah! You know? <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody, this is Ray Renati and you have reached Green Room On Air and this is my podcast, y'all. How y'all doing? Hope you're having a great day, a great week, a great life, a great almost post-COVID experience. The masks are coming off, the vaccines are coming in, and once again, life may soon be back to normal. We have a great show for you today. Two old-timers, as it were. They've both been on my podcast before. From the San Francisco Mind Troop, we have Ellen Callis. <laughs> Ellen is a native Chicagoan who cut her teeth at Second City. You know, like a lot of those Saturday Night Live folks. She co-founded Hit and Run Theater back in 1976, a political sketch comedy troupe that toured Northern California for many, many years. And now she is the general manager of the San Francisco Mime Troupe. And our other guest today, with Ellen, is another veteran of the Green Room, Michael Jean Sullivan. He's a veteran actor, playwright, director, blogger, and teacher who happens to be committed to developing theater of social and economic justice. And that's pretty much what San Francisco Mime Troupe is all about and have been for, well, you'll see, a long time. Now, the reason both of these San Francisco veterans are here today is because the renowned Tony Award winning San Francisco Mime Troupe is about to release their latest concoction of creative genius, and it's called Tales of the Resistance, Volume 2 Persistence. Now, these very special. Episodes will be available beginning July 4th. Just go to the San Francisco Mime Troupe website and you can get your tickets. It's a lot of fun. They always do excellent, excellent work. So uh, I highly, highly suggest that you make an effort to listen to these plays. They will make you think, they will make you laugh, they will make you cry and they will have you talking with your friends about social justice guaranteed okay everyone enough of that i enjoy plugging but the thing is we got to get to our guests and so without any further ado i bring you ellen callas and michael jean sullivan tell us about it- your uh, 2021 mind troop show Tales hey, of the Resistance. How did you like two. that segue? Yeah. yeah. That?
0: <laughs> volume, volume two, right? Yeah. Volume two, Persistence.
1: Tales of the Resistance, volume two, Persistence. Yes.
2: Because we're persistent. We don't give
0: up. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's a big deal right now also for a lot of people because after last year, there were so many very successful protests last year that focused focused Americans attention on all of these issues that need to be dealt with mainly because people were home and they had nothing else to do but actually watch the news and actually listen to the radio and actually become more citizen in there in a way and that led to all of these very successful protests yeah. but now the question is now that we no longer have you know our potential uh, sunburned uh, nero in office and now that we <laughs> feel like it's easy to feel like we've gotten beyond something but we have to be persistent we have to make sure that we don't just feel good about having protested feel good about having A successful election feel good about ourselves that we've changed as people. But the society can so easily slide backwards into the same racist, sexist, xenophobic, homophobic, transphobic, nationalist cesspit that it has been for the past few years. Yeah, Uh, America.
1: We, We do that, don't we? We, we get all excited yeah. about something, and then it's just gone, and then it's like it never happened.
2: Well, like nationally, we have like yeah. attention
0: deficit syndrome, you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was yeah. going to say,
0: it's like little kids getting a, a, a present on Christmas Day, you yeah. know? We're like, oh, civil rights, and we play with it for a while, and we get tired of it, and we move on to the puppy. Yeah, exactly. And little we know, the puppy's going to take our civil rights.
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, Mime Troop kind of came out of this, I think you all, you both probably remember this, in the 60s and the 70s. I mean, we went through all this before right and then like yeah and it's like everyone forgot yeah uh yeah
0: and there's like, and besides yeah. the, the the whole societal and cultural amnesia that happens then there's the invalidating of people's experience so that you have people who say you know we fought for this and we have to keep fighting yeah hey, you're old yeah, like, yeah, okay no. boomer. <laughs> yeah yeah as a which is just as bad as saying eh, hey, you're a kid and you don't know it's like injustice is injustice, and recognizing injustice is something anyone of ho- a game that everyone of every age can play. And yeah. Divisiveness is counterproductive. Yeah, you know when the stakes
2: are so high. Yeah, you know, and that's that's always been the big problem with the left in general. I think,
1: you know, attacking, well, there's just the attacking one another? now. You mean the uh, the left attacking each other? Is that what you mean?
2: Well, you know, it's everybody's got their particular issue, but you know when it comes right down to it. It's like all those issues come back to, you know, the main point, you know, we follow the money, you know, who's in charge. It does, you know, who who stands to gain out of people fighting with each other, you know, or scapegoating as a national pastime.
1: Yeah. Well, there's some people that say that the, you know, the 1% or the 1% of the 1% want us fighting one another. Yes, Uh, instead of realizing that that they're creating a huge class differentiation despite your color or your sexual orientation or anything else.
0: Yeah, I feel like those differences. People always say, "Oh, the left is a you know circular firing squad kind of thing," and I say, "No, they're not." When you've got you know Antifa people out there marching with Black Lives Matter, marching against anti Asian hate, and marching with you know uh, 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 Free Palestine, all of these different movements and, and Me Too, and all of these things marching together, what happens is that the togetherness gets underplayed in the media, and what gets brought up is any divisiveness yes if they can find one thing that somebody on the left said that is slightly different from what somebody else says they will try to get those people head to head in a cage match and the fact is they're agreeing on 99.9 percent of the stuff why are they not focusing on that why doesn't the media focus on it because it's more entertaining and it serves the one percent if it leads it leads
1: and it delivers people to the commercials and keeps them subscribing to cable news
0: right and it makes it so that and it and it fosters this myth of uh divisiveness within a progressive movement yes. you know mm-hmm. trying to find something oh this person's wearing a different color hat you know they yeah. always want to try to find something to make us appear to us as more divided than we are
1: and comedy that, and that then that invalidates the, uh, that 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 invalidates the whole movement in a lot of people's eyes right either people in the yeah. middle or on the right
0: right that i the traditional idea of you you know march separately strike together you know which has always been a part of the progressive movement in the left which is yeah you've got this idea you've got this idea we're going to support you in that but when it comes to the revolutionary action we're all going to do it together and cheer each other on yeah that's that's how we're still around mobilize not how we're portrayed right which is completely different from reality
1: yeah yep
2: I mean, that's what's so interesting about like those QAnon people. It's like those folks come from a, a lot of different backgrounds. I mean, there's Bernie Sanders supporters that are part of QAnon, which is astounding to me. I don't yeah. quite understand it. But they have some kind of common purpose that makes them stay focused and direct,
0: kind of like those Jewish space lasers, you know? <laughs> Yeah, as well, focused I, as a jewish space laser that should become a saying
1: i think that the people who are uh q supporters who also are bernie sanders supporters are those who are like super super like radically anti-establishment and right. hate hillary clinton as much as they're you know the radical republicans do and
0: uh yeah i don't think that know. those people who are in both they'll say they'll always point to those and go well maybe senton it's like no 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 Those people who supported Bernie Sanders and our QAnon people didn't support Bernie Sanders because of any of his programs. Right. They supported him because he was an outsider. Outsider. And that was it. The same reason those people voted for Trump, because he was an outsider. If you look at the history of American elections for the past 50 years, almost every time, not every time, this last election was different, but almost every time, the outsider wins. Americans Choose the outsider. It's never the, the Washington insider, except for like with someone like Biden, because we were forced into that choice because Trump was a maniac. Um, but so those people that just always going to back an outsider, no matter who they are, backed Sanders, not because of his policy. I mean, the, he wants national health care. How does how that jibe with people who want a smaller government? It doesn't. The fact is, they just are crazy people who just want the outsider. They just want to stir things up because they don't have enough drama in their lives. Yeah. You know, they need like more polio or something real, a real problem so that they can then focus on like maybe we do need national health care as a as a thing and not just because some. But then you get a real problem like this past
2: year and people are still divided and, you know, acrimonious it's weird.
0: Yeah, I felt like I mean, this past year proved that if we were ever div- uh, invaded by aliens, all those movies that show Earth coming together when an aliens attack. What a crock. That yeah. won't happen. Clearly, yeah. what will happen is a bunch of people will side with the aliens. Other people will say the aliens aren't attacking them while they are. Other people want to vote for the aliens. You know, that sounds yeah. like a play. Yeah, yeah.
2: G- Gorton, you glad to, glad to, don't stop <laughs> your. Yeah. keep keep driving. <laughs> keep going. Keep so, going. So,
1: um, are a lot of these things uh, addressed in Tales of the Resistance Volume Two: Persistence? I assume there. Well, In the first
0: way. shows, we're doing it a little different this year.
1: And this is a radio play again, right? It's a radio play, yeah. yeah. Uh, what we're doing different this year is because last we year, love it, radio. Was,
0: it was, um, or what they're called now, script, scripted podcasts. That's the new hip thing to say rather than radio play. Oh, I didn't like, know. To yeah. oh, radio a radio play podcast. sounds like
1: it's from the 40s or something.
0: Right, but scripted podcast yeah. sounds new and shiny. Um, <laughs> so last year we did, you know, <laughs> 10 episodes stretched out over 20 mm. weeks or something so. like that. We and went all the year, way through
2: Halloween. We ended Yeah.
0: So this year we're doing um 10 episodes but once a week. So it's going to be every week and instead of a uh, four storyline stretched out over all this time and interweaving, there's going to be different things. Like there are five episodes which are two stories that go along uh that interweave and then we're having what we're calling one-off episodes where, like, Ellen is working on one and another of our writers, Marie Cartier, is working on one. Well, there'll be individual, solo, standalone shows. And then we're doing uh, community discussions about some of the issues we're, we're bringing up. So, like, uh, the opening shows are going to be, one is about uh, sexism, racism uh, in, in uh, a conservative, uh, conservative news network. Basically, uh, a black woman is the... Uh, color commentator of color for a, <laughs> na- a network like Fox who's always there to basically carry water for them to tell, to tell the audience what they want to hear and it's so much easier to hear it if it's coming from a black person because yeah. they can say more racist things and not be accused of being racist and she realizes slowly there's this mystery that comes up about well what happened before I was here who had who was the color person before I was here and and, and it's also about all of the sexism, the constant harassment that she has to put up with, um, being the pretty one at, at the network. And that's one series, uh, Mysterious Mysteries, the Tale of the Black Fox. Fox is all capitalized. <laughs> and then the other one is uh, Jailbreak, Passion for Justice. And that's a story of uh, a two men uh, uh, who have both been arrested, both for resisting arrest. One is an Asian-American Antifa protester, and the other one is a um, black American drag queen protester uh, arrested at different protests for different reasons. Uh, and they end up getting broken out of jail accidentally because they're in the same cell block as Thor Hammersack, who is the leader of a local white resistance group, uh, you know, Awakoa pub the American Americans for Americans who also keep their oaths and are proud of being boys. <laughs> <Alacoa-pob>. <laughs> and, and so they act. they get mistaken for, for people in that group because they're all wearing balaclavas and they get broken out of jail. And so that one is about a bunch of things. It's about how the media and the police um, can end up both openly and overtly supporting white nationalist organizations and also how the idea of resisting arrest is used uh, when, when putting down protests, when, when attacking um, uh, populations that are considered uh, not in power you know, blacks, Asian, brown, women, whoever that police can attack them and then say they were resisting arrest, and it's a charge that is totally up to the police. It's not like you broke that window. It's like, well, I was arresting you. Or I was talking to you or whatever, and you made a move that says that you're resisting. Therefore, I can charge you with the resisting arrest. It right. is totally an arbitrary charge and should be outlawed, frankly. Yeah, yeah. police subjectivity. Yeah, that you it know. is totally in the eyes of the cops. And it is a way to get everybody uh, 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 kind of in the system. It is a way to just, you know, to, to shut down protests. You know, oh, they didn't like my special arm lock. They didn't like the way I was choking them. Resisting funny, arrest. Right. And the public will always believe that. The public will say, oh, that person must have been resisting. The cop wouldn't just say that. Look at the video. They are resisting. Yeah, well, but but the cops shouldn't have been attacking them in the first place. They shouldn't have been put in a position to have to resist an illegal arrest.
1: And, and also, th- people people, when they get scared, they start doing things to save themselves. You know, it's not even conscious and and the cops are in a position where they can put way less force and, you know, keep the person under control or just back off for a second. I I don't get this whole aggression. It's it's unnecessary. I mean, yeah, like if somebody is going nuts, surround them, let them like run out of energy, which they will do, you know, (laughs) there's
0: there's a case. I don't know if it was Seattle or Portland years ago. There's a guy downtown with a samurai sword yeah he pulled out a samurai sword this. and he was threatening everybody around and so the police shot him with um with uh sandbags but he yeah. didn't go down yeah and they were like sure and so what the police did was they went into to the local uh uh fire department and they got a ladder and they then pushed the ladder up against the guy and then pushed him up against a wall so that he couldn't hurt anybody and then they moved in and arrested him. Yeah. What they didn't do was shoot him. What pisses me off, I think, what should piss every American off is the waste of our tax dollars. We pit our tax dollars into training these cops to have all of these skills and they never use them. I know. You know? Yeah. Or didn't we pay $50,000 to you to know jujitsu or something so that you can know how to de-escalate a situation and know how to take down somebody? That only happens in movies. And it's that's television. the militarization thing, too, yeah. you
1: know? They just, it's, like, kill people. They're not peace I think officers it, was going anymore. On, it was going on for a long time, and then everyone all of a sudden had video cameras on their phones. And right. there's this culture of being able to get away with that, because you could never be proven. Yeah. And it's still there, even though the video cameras are there. And eventually, they're just going to—unless we put some pressure on them, they have no incentive to not do it, because they always get <laughs> yep. off.
2: I love that the the young woman that photographed the George Floyd murder was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. I know,
1: isn't that great? Yeah.
2: That was extraordinary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She deserves it.
0: It's one of those things that we, uh, like, Ian, if you ever watch uh, Russian dash cam videos.
1: Yes, I have.
0: uh, (laughs) Yeah, And you see all of these things going on, accidents and stuff. And I'm like, we need more uh, Americans, especially black Americans, need something like that we don't we shouldn't be relying on the police who are going to say oh i turned off my camera accidentally or i bumped it or we lost the video it's like no we need our own video always you know when you start getting pulled over you turn on your freaking video so that we have it Mm -hmm. and then and we and then they can never say well we don't know what happened before the video or yes we do yeah um but but that idea that a cop can come up to you say anything to you and if you just turn away you don't make contact with them they're not touching you yet but if you turn away they could say resisting arrest and tackle you yeah and everyone will go well they must have been resisting so so there's a lot of stuff going on in these episodes and again it's done with comedy in such a way to <laughs> show what like the mime troupe does we don't make fun of the issue we make we make fun of and use the comedy To a certain hyperbole to show how ridiculous the situation, how ridiculous um, it's expected that Americans should contort inside of a racist, sexist, xenophobic police state in order to lie to ourselves and say things are okay. It's like and we have to show that ridiculousness and hypocrisy so that we can hopefully uh, convince people to change things.
1: Do the plays do the plays address the gun issue at all? Because uh, that's one of the things that it's really bothering me now is, I, I mean, we have a mass shooting almost every day, I think. And it's we're just <sighs> more pretending.
2: than every day so far this year. We've got 267,
1: 267 and, people. And, and, and it's not even 267 yeah. days into the year, right? So, right. No, no, uh, right. And, and no one care. No one seems to care. We're not doing well, anything. Well, I mean, there well, are people who care, but the government's not yeah. doing anything as far as I can tell.
0: Well, the difficult thing, and this is something where the Democrats um, have had an issue. I, in my opinion, which has been that they, have, the Democratic Party leadership long ago convinced themselves that the greatest danger to them was the progressive wing of their own party. Yeah. And that, and which is a huge mistake, because what happens is that all of the local activists are progressives. You know, in every state and county, those are the progressives who are saying we have to change stuff. So when the Democratic Party wants to run people for state legislatures, they don't have anybody. Any moderates, enough moderates to pick from, they're all progressives. So they don't run anybody, which is how the Republicans end up with with fire eaters running almost half the states in this country, which then can say we're not going to pass adequate gun legislation, you know, um, just reasonable amounts of legislation to make sure that just a crazy person can't walk into a store and buy a gun and have it without a permit like Texas wants. Um, So. There are people in the government who are working really hard as our employees to try to legislate things, but there are people also our employees who are working really hard to make sure nothing happens. Neo-Confederates and, and old West fantasists who believe that if everybody had a gun, everything would be safe, or know that there some of their most their most vocal uh, uh constituents believe that and they don't want to offend them.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And Darkies. They want to make sure that, you know, they, they keep make sure that all the white people feel good and afraid of all the black people coming out to the suburbs and taking their Volvos.
2: And all the people coming across the border because yeah. they're coming for their lives.
0: Right. In their, so, vaca- in their vacation homes in Minnesota. If you don't have anything to give <laughs> anybody to inspire them to vote for you, you use fear. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: That's all it comes down to. Right. Right. Yeah. And again, comedy. Because the mime troop has to do all of this with comedy. We have because if you don't if you don't use comedy when you're dealing with all of these super important and serious issues, people will just kill themselves in despair. Well, that's well, so We have to give hope and truth.
1: That brings me and, to the topic we should cover since you only have a couple minutes left. anybody who's not familiar with the mime troupe and comedy, <laughs> I know we've talked about this many times before.
2: <laughs> not that kind of mime. Tell not, us not that that what mime, mime troop means. The exaggeration of daily life in story and song.
1: There you go, and that's right. that's one of the valid definitions of mime. Correct.
0: That yeah. was what it was for most of history. It wasn't until speaking as uh, an Ed ancient Hobbes Greek. Is say, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ed Holmes <laughs> used to say you know, it wasn't until uh, uh, you know bad education in the French. Marcel, Marceau. Um, <laughs> Marcel, yeah, Marcel Marceau, Marceau
1: making many tours of uh, the U.S. and being on television all the time in the 60s. Right.
0: Yeah, the French really pushed <laughs> Marcel Marceau because he was a hero, hero of the French resistance. People don't know that. And so because of that, they were like, and we were trying to push some idea of, of French culture through the world so that we wouldn't just see them as the people who, who uh, basically agreed with the Nazis and who were killing people in you know what they used to call indochina yeah. they wanted to make themselves seem heroic so they pushed their culture everywhere and one of those things was silent mime. yeah and and i have to remind people even people from overseas they're like oh silent mime." And i'm like you know the word pantomime and they're like oh yeah like pantos in england I'm like you notice how they're not silent oh yeah right yeah it's an exaggeration to make a point
1: yeah and, and what i tell people po- well, is just theater. like doing a
0: broadway show only it has a point
1: right 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 exactly uh, yes, my son just called me. Gonna, yeah, I had to hang up real quick. Oh, that's why I just he'll never the, forgive you. Here's that's why therapy. I just had the brain glitch there. Oh. Yeah, uh, I mean,
2: it's pop, popular theater is a, is one of the oldest forms of theater. You know, it's not theater for the elite that paid for it. It's theater about people and people's issues, and that goes back to the Greeks and the Romans and the Italian commedia and all that. We, it, what we do is is a very old tradition. It's you know, uh, Kabuki theater, Yeah, it's Jatra theater in India. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's prevalent everywhere. You know, people just go into the marketplace and say...
1: But it's not that prevalent here, and that's why I, I, it's so wonderful that we have you, you know, in San Francisco. What, for the last six, 62 years now?
0: 62 right? years. Yeah. yeah, so much of American theater just became what I think of as psychodramas. Yes. You know, because they're trying to compete with film. And right. so most of American theater is you peel off the side of a house and you all sit in the dark while you watch this family go through these really weird problems. And then at the end, <laughs> the side of the house closes and you go out and you have dinner and you talk about how weird those people were. Yeah, Whereas yeah, popular theater is about is actively trying to influence the community on a, on a more of a, on a macro scale yeah. and not just is, about be nice right. to your kids.
2: It, it adra- addresses class it. issues too, you know. I mean, it, it Which, just lays out the the, the the class structure and who benefits from what and who doesn't, you know. And that's very much part of the of the of the whole genre from day one. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, Whether and, and, it was and, and
2: divorces and or you know whoever,
1: and it's very clear. It does it with irony and 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 um, sarcasm. Uh, mm-hmm humor.
2: It's, a, it's accessible, yeah. you know, and character archetypes that people can relate to. And the so, archetypes.
1: Yes. Yeah. that's the, yeah. So
2: if a, if a big, you know, I mean, like Trump is a classic example of Perfect. somebody that you can, I mean, you he, he can't even make that guy up. No. But, you know, if somebody like that walks across stage, you know exactly who that person yeah, is. Yeah, the minute
1: he walks on stage. Okay, that's yeah, the yeah. Donald Trump person. And that's yeah. the kind of stuff you guys do, and you do it so well, It's and it's so entertaining, but it makes you think, you know although Hopefully you're probably so. preaching to the choir most of the people who watch your show
0: hey the prior ne- choir needs some preaching every once in a while people <laughs> need to know that that what they think is actually true that they have their their ideas validated in a way that is not just insane yeah but i have and to go
1: now oh yes i understand yes i know you have another one thank you so yeah. much and um so people can go to your website and see this? Yep, sfmt.org, and there's, there's
0: a list of all the radio stations right. that will be playing the shows through the summer, and they'll be able to listen to them also on our website. Great,
1: I all will right. put it up on uh, the show notes. Thanks so Pretty much. Fun. It's I have it appreciate radio. it, Michael. Thanks, Ellen. Thanks. All you right. bet,
2: Ray. Take care. Okay. See you later. All
1: right. Well, you made it all the way to the end. I congratulate you. Wasn't that something? Aren't they great guests? Hey, if you like this podcast, tell your friends. Tell three friends. Tell three friends how wonderful it is. Send them email, call them, text them. Say, hey, you got to listen to this green room on air thing. It's incredible. Hey, if you can, also leave me a review somewhere, like on Apple Podcasts. I love you all. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great uh, weekend. And uh, until next time, folks, I will see you on the boards. Get at it. When you're weird